Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. I'm Connor from the House of L. And I'm Ray from the House of Zod. Oh, and I'm Joshua Williamson, a comic book writer. I write a bunch of different stuff for DC, including uh, Batman and Superman, I wrote Flash. I'm writing Infinite Frontier and Robin and a bunch of stuff we haven't announced yet. <laughs> awesome. A, a huge welcome to the show, Josh. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited. I was like, well, I've seen you guys before. I just love talking about uh, comic books. Nice. And we can talk about Batman, Superman, or whatever else. If you're, yeah. So, so you're, are you a, a, a DC fan for a long time, or uh, are you a comics fan in general, or where's your, or is it all Superman all the time? Um. Well, me, I, uh, I was originally like uh, heavy into Marvel, but I've always been into Superman, and then. I think like 10 years ago, uh, you know, I decided to check out some of these other characters that Superman always sort of interacted with. And uh, so I guess I'm more of a DC guy now, actually. Um, but I think Ray's a Marvelite still. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. to be honest, Josh as well, uh, I've actually, you know, I've been collecting comics since like the, the late 80s, 90s. Um, yeah. And like Marvel kind of, you know... I, I grew up with that Spider Man and Hulk. They were they were huge back in back in the day. Um, yeah, I'm a, yeah, and, a, a little bit of everything. Oh no, and and, and just the, unfortunately, like DC, apart from the movies, like Batman and and, and Superman, um, kind of passed me by. But I have been reintroduced into the DC world via Connor. Um, you know, with his love for Superman, and I, I'm really enjoying it as well. I mean, in particular, as you mentioned earlier on, we're gonna we're gonna dive deep in the the Batman Superman run of yours. Um, we know that you've you've done a lot, uh, as you mentioned, but yeah, this particular run, uh, Connor and I really enjoyed it, uh, and we thought it'd be super fun to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, so um, very excited to get into these different arcs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I um, I was a Marvel and DC and image person, and, and just comics in general. I worked at a comic book store all through high school, all through college, and I, okay. I feel like I got a little bit of everything. But I've always been more of a DC person. Like, if you walked into my office right now, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, like I have a Batman tattoo." You know, it's like uh-huh. have a bunch. Of, I'm actually wearing a Flash shirt while we're talking. Um, but it's <laughs> like I have uh, I have a bunch of Batman stuff and Superman stuff. I have some Batman. I have a ton of Batman statues and a ton of Superman stuff and just you know like I, but I also have like a whole shelf that's just I say shelf but I mean like a giant bookshelf that's all Marvel stuff and then I have like in my office I have Iron Man's helmet I have the Infinity Gauntlet I have Thor's hammer I have Captain America's shield right next to me. I have Captain America's shield right next to me I love it like I'm picking up right now such a cool thing like that that Marvel Legends replica they made yeah so I have a lot of stuff in here that's like a bit of everything, but I think you can still see there's a much more heavy influence of um, of DC stuff than anything else. But right. can, can I yeah. ask if you yeah. do you have that Marvel Legends Deadpool head? I do. <laughs> oh, you do. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's right here. Oh, I haven't no. opened it yet. Uh, I've had it for a few months. Part of it is I ran out of room in my office. I have so much stuff in here, and I um, eventually the, the plan is to build an office. We've been. I was actually supposed to take care of some stuff for it today on it, and I forgot. Mm-hmm. But the plan is eventually build a new office for me. And in the new office, I'll have a room, and then all the collectibles will be fully displayed and, and have my nice. comics in place. And really, I mean, right now in my office, I have three whiteboards and three different places in my office. Like, 
like the big, you know, this is what all my projects are for the next two years. Yeah. Uh, from, you know, DC, create your own stuff I want to do. And, yeah. And as a calendar when things are coming out. And then I have one really big whiteboard that is just for Infinite Frontier stuff and just for the mm. DC events for the next two years. And then I have one that's uh, next to me that's just that I use for. But I'm trying to break like one issue, so there's just a lot of there's a lot going on in my office, and it'll be nice to have a bigger space eventually, and then then I can have all my my cool uh, toys out at the same time. But yeah, <laughs> like recently I got a Thanos toy, a Marvel Legends Thanos toy, and yeah, nice. It was funny. I got that, and I took a, a picture of it, and I sent it to Donnie. Oh, <laughs> it was the it was the, uh, the head of the old man Thanos. And I sent him the picture, and he was like, is that real? I thought that was like a custom. And I'm like, oh, man, they made a Thanos toy with your head on it with the <laughs> old man thing. Done. So, yeah, nice. I was able to – I get a lot of stuff. Yeah, I have a little bit of an addiction when it comes to the collectible. It's not just – I mean, for the most part, I get most of the comics for free at this point. So mm-hmm. maybe that's I, – like, I just I, – I bank it by buying all the stuff. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have a lot of – I have – I have like a couple. I have a Jim Lee Superman statue. I have a. Ooh. I have a statue, or I have one of the Mezco um, Superman. The one to twelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a bunch, dude. I have They're a good. They're nice. Yeah, right now in my office, I have the Dark Side one, the Wonder Woman one. I have both the Flash and the Reverse Flash, but I, and then um, I haven't opened them yet. But I have the Death. I have the Deathstroke one. The Hal Jordan one, Evil Dead one, and Aquaman one. Oh, geez, just, uh, just a few. <laughs> yeah, a few, dude. And I think I have a, I have a buddy. Yeah. I have two buddies who are also like like my best friends from college, and they're also like big time into collectibles. And dude, like one time I went to one of their houses, <laughs> and I walked in. He had basically all of them. Jeez. Like they were on the ground in a room, and he was like, "Yeah, I have a problem." And I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> But I have a bunch of cool stuff in here, and I have like original yeah. art and things like that. But eventually, the plan is to make you know. It does sound like you need a bigger office, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> Just, definitely. Yeah, with the garage, I have boxes and boxes of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, get it to one place. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a mix of working in comics and then uh, buying cool stuff. So I don't know. Eventually, I'll get it all in place. It's very reassuring, and it's very cool to hear. Like, I mean, of course, writers and creators you'd imagine are, are fans of of the genre, yeah. but it's it's just really cool to hear that. Like, you know, you're so enthusiastic and um and, and love your stuff. You, you know, not just the comics, but you're talking about artworks, uh, you know, statues, action figures. Uh, that's really cool. If I had a lot more money, I, I would uh, I would do that as well, and a lot yeah. more space. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I should probably come back though. <laughs> I have two kids. I gotta send them to college. You know, uh, are, are they I, into? Are they? Have they been introduced into comics and superheroes and stuff? Uh, my daughter. She's so my kids are only four and about sixteen months. Mm-hmm. So my daughter is. She loves comics. Nice. She's super into superheroes. Uh, she knows Marvel and DC stuff. Um, she doesn't know the differences. I mean, she kind of does. Like, yeah. DC stuff, I think she knows because of my office more, but Marvel, she's more exposed to. I mean, this is traditionally Marvel's been yes. always a little better about merchandising and things, getting things out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, she's much more, like, she has an app that she's using for, because obviously we're in quarantine. She has, uh, like, we're still in quarantine here. Uh, and right. so, 
you know, she has an app that she's been using for homeschooling stuff. And in that app, they have a bunch of programs that are like, Iron Man's going to teach you science. So she, oh, wow. she sees a lot of that stuff. And so she knows it, but she does know things. And we have a lot of books that we've given her that are DC kids books, like board books. And stuff. Yeah. So she understands it. She's seen, she really likes Spider-Man a lot. Like Spider-Man is one of like Spider-Gwen and Miles. She ah. sees, she's watched She's watched a bunch of the 90s Spider-Man cartoon with me. She's watched pretty much all of the most recent Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. She's watched all of that with me. Uh, with Batman, we've only watched one episode of the Batman animated series, and I think it was a little intense for her. It was so funny. <laughs> Which one was it? It was the first one. It was the On Leather oh, Wings. Leather Wings. It's probably my favorite one, to be honest. It's a great one. Uh, it was fun when we were watching it. We watched On the Leather Wings, and then we watched uh, Cat in the Claw, I think it's what it's called, right? The, yeah. The cat one one. Yeah, so she... It was funny watching On the Leather Wings with her, and we're sitting there watching it, and she's never seen anything of it before. And the opening intro, you know, is this amazing thing. But I think it was a little intense for her. And there's that part where Batman is standing on the roof and the lightning, like the iconic part, right? Yeah, yeah. And right when the lightning went behind her, my daughter, she just goes, oh my. And it was like the <laughs> like, pure reaction. We watched that, and then we watched the episode with Catwoman, and she was just like very, she really liked Catwoman a lot. That's two okay. parts, both of them. She really liked Catwoman, and then she was like, does the next episode have Catwoman? And I was like, I don't know. So I lost interest after that. Uh, but she's very into the stuff. My son has a bunch of superhero like shirts. Like he was just in my office. Oh, yeah. like, shirt, uh, all, all onesie, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, Sixteen you know, months. Yeah, pretty. It has pretty no clue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> but she, you know, stuff. She knows all the characters, and it's really interesting to hear what she gravitates to in terms of the characters and stuff. Yeah. And you know, she likes Wonder Woman. She likes Catwoman. She likes. She loves Spider-Gwen. She has a Spider-Gwen costume. Um, that is interesting, isn't it? I mean, like, it's it's good. Like, there's not, Of course. Like, um, But, yeah, it's, it's great how they, you know, at such an early age, gravitating towards that and, and showing how important, I guess, um, you know, for, for female readers, you know, those characters. Yeah, it's how, definitely eye-opening yeah. to me in some yeah. ways. Like, it, it's interesting when you know it and you believe you know it and then to witness it in person, mm. see what she gravitated toward. But it was not just that. I mean, we were having this conversation, I was having this conversation with DC uh, about almost two years ago now, about a year and a half ago, I guess. We were talking about some of the new characters we were going to introduce. And I was I was telling DC, I'm like, you know, my daughter gravitates for certain things for very specific reasons. And Sometimes it's simple, like, this going to sound really silly, but she's like, if a character has claws, that means they're a bad guy. They, you know, she automatically ah. sees that one-to-one of, like, okay. if a character has claws, they're a bad guy. And so that kind of primal mm. visualization, you know, is important to kind of consider when we talk about some of this stuff. When yeah. I have these conversations with DC about yeah. what we're doing, introducing new characters, new villains what on a primal level we can visualize and automatically say that person's a hero, that person's a villain. Mm. A lot of these costumes and why they work and why they don't, like Spider-Man or Superman or Batman, you know, what draws us to those costumes on a very simple level. But then at the same time, you get stuff like Deadpool and Cable that are much more elaborate but are still super cool. Yeah. Like, there's something about those things, and you look at, like, the Flash and how iconic Mm -hmm. the Flash costume is and how simple it is. Uh what about these things work? And it's a, it's a weird dynamic that's hard to strike at times. You know, it was easy. We do it all the time, yeah. but 
look at something like Superman, you know, to, to, to get to Superman stuff, it's like you look at Superman's costume and how simple it is, how iconic it is. But even though it's simple, it doesn't look simple. Like you don't say, you don't look at Superman's costume and go, that's simple. It's like, yeah. there's, but it's so iconic and easy to look at. You know, it's, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, looking at covers and stuff and obviously and, I think yeah. before you guys do and, looking at some some stuff and just being like yeah that's really cool and like what works and stuff it's really it's really interesting yeah yeah, for sure i mean like uh you've used some uh there's a nice array of different characters existing characters in the batman and superman run um Mm -hmm. through the different arcs i mean immediately you were talking about the um uh iconography of some costumes and stuff like you know it kind of veering with the likes of uh, Cable and Deadpool. Um, I just immediately thought of Atomic Skull, a, a very kind of, uh, you know, a, immediately a visual um, of... Because I'm not sure. He, it's Essentially, he comes out as a kind of like a good guy, right? Again, sorry, this is my ignorance. Um, no, he's a good guy. Well, yeah, but he, but he um, obviously has a very fearsome look to him. Yeah, and sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy. Yeah. I think that he is such an interesting character. I've always liked his look and liked him. Mm-hmm. And if you... You know, go back and look at um, Superman and Batman that Jeff Loeb and McGinnis were doing, and they had him in it for a moment, and it was crazy because he's like driving a motorcycle, and they were just like <laughs> straight making him Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there was something cool to that, but I've always liked his look, whether he was the green version or the purple version, and uh, so I like him. I've always thought he was a cool look, and the editor Paul Kaminsky, he loves him, so. Uh, that was an easy sell. Was right. like you have him for an arc and 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 do something weird with him and Ultra Superman. I um, I felt bad because he was going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trade to him was that the ending we would show him crawl out of the grave. You know, it's like I uh, love that that last you know statement. You know, I gotta gotta find a drink. Was like you know so. Yeah, well, that was his. The if you look at some of the interpretations of him in the last couple of years. He was humanized a little bit, and I think that was part of that was just making him a little bit funnier and a little yeah. bit more sympathetic, and and uh, that was yeah, that's that was why I had a, I need to get a drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, well, Connor, how do you want to how do you want to kind of um, do this with? I mean, we've got Josh, we've got like um, so Connor and I kind of poured over. We did a nice little reread, thinking up some really. Really complex questions for you, Josh. So. Not, not that complex. <laughs> Hopefully, I remember. Everything. I, I, I just got the cover of the um, of the second half of my run uh, in the mail the other day, so I can look yeah. at that if I can look at something. But uh, I can answer whatever. Hopefully, oh I yeah, no, I was only Josh. It was it was a uh, you know we're just just really interested to to kind of find out you know, behind the scenes of these uh, particular arcs. I mean, so kind of, I mean, like, sh- should we just start with the, the first six issues? Uh, yeah, sure. So I guess was like the Batman Who Laughs opening, was that like your choice or DC's? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take a step back on the history of me doing this book and, there, and then we'll get to that because I feel it's important to the context of that question in particular. Actually, back- yeah, that was another question. How'd you get the yeah. book? All right. <laughs> so about 10 years ago, to go really far back, um, I was doing these things called inventory stories for DC Comics. Like uh, back in 2009, I got my first job at DC and, and it went pretty well. 
I'd done a couple little things here and there and they liked me. And there was this editor there who was a managing editor and he was like, listen, we like you and we want you to do more stuff, but they do these things called inventory stories. Basically it's a process where you work with editorial, they see how you are. Um, and if it does well, then they publish it. Right. And they do this a lot with newer creators. So there's a lot of these, these things get made. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly a test. It's a test. And, uh, so, I met with him, and he was like, okay. We would, we would talk at conventions and stuff, and it went pretty well. And he was like, all right, here's the deal. You can do an inventory story, and you can do a Batman story, or you can do a Superman story. And then he said, don't say Batman, because everyone says Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, how about this? I was like, listen, I love DC Comics. I love Team <laughs> What if I did a Batman-Superman story? And I also really liked the Superman-Batman book at the time, because it was still coming out then. And I was like, how about you do a Batman Instagram story? A team up. And he was like, you know what? No one has ever said that. Yes, let's do that. So I wrote this script. He really liked it. He was like, all right, let's do another one. Did another one. Cool. Did pretty well. Did a third one. And that one they liked. And they were like, um, you know, how about this? They were like, we really like this last one you did. How about you do another one? We'll actually publish it. Um, but it was, so they were like, but it does not start Batman and Superman. It's going to start Damien and Supergirl. Can you do that? And I was like, sure, let's do that. I can do it. No big deal. So I write it really like it gets published. That was my first, one of my first works at DC was an issue of the original Superman Batman series. And it's a, it's a Halloween issue. It's Superman. It's Batman. I'm sorry. It's Superman Batman 77. Mm-hmm. So after that, a little bit after that, um, when that came out, so that came out in October of 2010. Right. So I went to them. And I said, hey, listen, I love doing this. You guys like doing this. Uh, I want to do a whole arc. Like, let me do Superman Batman. Like, I love Superman Batman. Let me do more of it. I've done this stuff. And I think I was a little cocky at the time. I wasn't ready. But I definitely was like, give it to me, you know. And uh, and they were like, it was changing hands between editors. But the thing I didn't know at the time was they were gearing up to do New 52. So they were like, no, you can't do that book, right? Like, that's not happening. But that was because they were getting ready to do New 52. So I, I had asked about it back then, whatever. So when I came back to D.C., every once in a while, I would always be like, hey, I want to do that book. I would always ask about it. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of forgot about it. By the time I got my job on The Flash, I had kind of been like, well, here's my priority is Flash. It was double ship, so it was, like, really intense work-wise. Um, you know, it was kind of hard to do anything else. And so they were like, all right, cool, whatever. I'm doing Flash. So, at the end of 2017, um, Dan DiDio pulls me to his office, and he's like, listen, you know, you're wrapping up this and this. You know, you have room in your schedule for another book. What do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I got to think about it. We, we've been talking about different books, but I was like, I got to He was like, I'm going to do something bigger. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. So then uh, I was like, let me think about it. I went home, thought about it, came back to the office uh, like a month or so later. Um, and I went in there, and I'm like, listen... It's a book that's important to me is what I want to do. He was the part of the reason that book started to begin with years before. Mm-hmm. I want to do a new Superman Batman book. And here's what I want to do. And I explained this whole thing to him. And he was like, that is a great idea. Let me think about it. He was like, no. First he said no. Mm-hmm. And the reason he said no was because they had uh, just Bendis. So, sorry, Josh. So what did you pitch? Like, um, as, oh, I, did you have a story? Sorry. I think it was gonna. It was gonna. Oh my god! It was gonna tie into 
the Justice League stuff that Scott was doing. And it was going to be a Batman Superman book, but it was going to be with the family. So it would be Batman Superman plus like Supergirl and Steel, and it would have Batwoman and Robin, Nightwing. It was like a whole thing of both family books. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. I want it to be about the families, both families together, not just Batman and Superman. And he was like, no. And the reason was, was because of two reasons. It was because if Bendis was coming on Superman, he wanted him to have the room to breathe on it. Mm-hmm. They just signed him. And then Tom was gearing up for some of his stuff with the wedding. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, but I wasn't going to let it go. I kept asking about it. <laughs> so then one day, Dan and I went to get... Um, breakfast at a convention this is like months months later we're at a convention we're having breakfast and he's like what do you want to do we start talking about stuff and he's like you know batman who laughs is really really popular i really want there to be something batman who laughs related out there and he was also talking to scott and james mm-hmm. uh and at this convention this is when we were we were because this is right after um this is right after metal but we're going in the justice league and I was already working on Justice League Odyssey, but I wasn't happy on it. And so I was like, I want to do something else. And then so Dan was telling me this whole thing. And, and he and I said, Dan, I want to do more. Like, I want to do something bigger. And he was like, all right, well, I really want to do a Batman Who Laughs thing. And I said, hey, okay, what if we did a Batman Superman book and Batman Who Laughs was the villain in it? And Dan was like, done. Done. <laughs> okay. He was like, okay. And then he talked to Scott, and Scott was like, well, I want to do a Batman Who Laughs Mini first. And we were like, all right, let's figure out how to make this all work. And that was when we were – that convention, Scott, James, and I – it was crazy, dude. The whole convention was – we went to two conventions in one weekend, Ooh. but on opposite sides of the country. Like, oh, wow. we did one in Florida. On We were in Florida on Thursday and Friday, and then we were in Arizona on Saturday and Sunday. So complete opposite ends, you know, almost opposite ends of our country. And yeah. – um, and they were, it was, uh, we were exhausted, but we were having all these conversations about death metal, basically. And this is, this is back in May of 2018. Yeah. A, you know, and so we were planning all this stuff out. We were planning, uh, we were planning death metal and we were planning this bridge from metal to death metal and Justice League. And, and we were like, yeah, the Batman Who Laughs is out there. Let's do something cool with him. So that is how. I got the book, and that is how Batman Who Laughs became the first arc. And then it was like, Dan really liked this idea of the infected and the Batman Who Laughs and people from the Dark Multiverse, but we didn't mm-hmm. want um, we didn't want it to be like Secret Invasion, where it was like, oh, it's characters from the Dark Multiverse. So we kept going back and forth on this idea, and one thing we settled on was the infected and the idea that the Batman Who Laughs could turn people into people like him. And mm-hmm. so that's where that whole arc came from was it was a mix of all these things. It was like me with some of my ideas that I had, some stuff that Dan wanted, some things that we had been talking about with Scott. But the whole thing was about just getting the Batman Who Laughs, like using Batman and Superman to get the Batman Who Laughs ready for Death Metal because he was going to be the villain. And so it was this whole plan. That's why it all, like, it's crazy how much of a tapestry we built from, you know, through Metal all the way through. We told this gigantic story in the DCU I mean, if I would be told this big story, sometimes I can't believe, you know, but we, yeah, did this big map of where everything was going to fall and how it was going to go from the Justice League book that you were going to have the Batman, because part of it was this idea of building this idea of Lex versus the Batman who laughs. So you'd oh, have yeah. Lex, 
yeah, you'd have Lex in Justice League, and then you had the Batman who laughs, Batman, Superman, and it would build to this like crescendo with with Hell Arisen, and then Hell Arisen was going to lead into um, yeah, Hell Arisen was going to lead into Death Metal, yeah, and that's right. that's the way it all rolled out. So that was why that first arc was that um, originally. Well, one thing that got moved around was scheduling, because the book was supposed to come out earlier. Both books were supposed to come out earlier. Batman Who Last got pushed back a little bit, and then once Batman Who Last got pushed back, Batman Superman got pushed back a little bit, and then Batman Superman got pushed back even a little bit more because of just timing. Like we wanted to make sure right. David all six issues. Yeah, and David was exclusive to Marvel, and he never wanted to be shady, right? And yeah. and and you know which is the right thing to do. You want to begin the up and up. And so he wanted to wait until he was officially done with Marvel. And he, he waited, we waited until he was, and then we were able to get going. And then it was off the races after that and getting him to draw those six issues. So, yeah, you know, really happy with it. It took some time. Mm-hmm. Definitely like, you know, a race at times, but that's where, yeah. that's where the first six years came from. That's why it was what it was. And it was so tied into the year of the villain. And it was very much about that. Yeah. But that was, it was basically a, you know, if you look at the original, if you look at the original uh, Superman Batman series, the first arc was about Lex and it was about building up infinite crisis. And then after that, it was about Supergirl. And then after that, it was like, just have fun with those two characters. And that was my goal. And that was the thing I had talked to them about a lot was like the first two arcs were originally going to be the infected. And then we were going to do something else. And um, the idea was you do these two arcs that are very tied into these big stories. And then after that, you just have fun. And so I had all, I had this huge list of ideas of things I wanted to do that were going to be just, just fun stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you managed to, um, which is good, I think, with the uh, that first arc. Uh, and it's really interesting you mentioned uh, the timing of it and, and waiting for David Marquez as well because, uh, yeah, in hindsight now, I can kind of see, um, you know, if they were – if it was released a lot closer to, say, those, those other books with Batman Who Laughs, um, you know, you can see that kind of working together. Um, but this uh, – I guess the the plot that you've created in this first arc is really cool because uh, doing my reread as well and going back, jumping to say to that Brainiac arc towards the end um, of Batman Superman was really cool. But I, I just like the idea how that tied in with this whole thing about Batman um, basically going behind you know the JLA uh, and and him trying to fix it by coming up with like I don't know what an algorithm to to premeditate. Um, crime all over the place, and that eventuating into that brainiac kind of program. Um, yeah. So I like that tie-in because that that kind of comes in towards the end of of you know the run. Um, but yeah, I, I just found it interesting. But uh, yeah, it's the that first arc was was definitely something that seemed to be um, of its own thing. But in a way, you still kind of tied it towards the end. Yeah, I mean, we were just trying to do... Yeah, we were trying to build it all together. I mean, once we knew what we were doing, we know there was, like, again, there were plans. Plans changed. And, and even knowing when it was... Dude, when issue one came out, I was at a summit. And so when I was at that summit, um, I remember we were working out this whole big plan of what we were going to do with the DCU. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I'm going to leave this book at issue 12. You know, like, oh. we're not going to time like the way things were going in terms of planning stuff out. 
And it was like, still, okay, well, I'm going to get one more arc. So mm-hmm. let's make sure it still connects. And so I had a lot of conversation with the ed- editors about making sure it connects. And that was the thing we came to was the algorithm stuff. Right. Oh, yes. like, this is how we pull this together because of what happened. Um, and you look at, even looking at something like the price, which is a Batman's uh, Flash crossover I did earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, there's a scene at the ending that has Batman and Superman talking about the stuff that's going on and talking about that algorithm. Right. So we, it was planning. But yeah, at that summit, we had this summit August of 2019, and it was literally the week it came out. Like, it came out that Wednesday. Right. And, and we were at a summit while, while it was coming out. <laughs> uh, I had to fly from Burbank all the way to um, Annapolis to do a signing. And, uh, no, I flew to New York. That's right. I went to New York oh, first. Signing in New York first. So a lot of traveling. Um, but at that summit, talking about the book and talking about what we were doing mm-hmm. and the plans we had, that's why like the Ultra Humanite got put into it because there were there are there are still plans for Ultra Humanite, and I was like, well, let me get some of these pieces on the board for people, right? You know, so that became a lot of that, and then it was just like trying to have some fun. You know, it's like mm. that's where Ration, Ration Zod. I almost wish that arc had been longer. But we knew it became weird because we knew we only had Nick for two issues. Yeah. So that that was a really cool arc um, mm. because it was actually when when uh, Connor and I reviewed it, uh, we did mention about the length of it being a two parter. But it works quite well. Everything's wrapped up, you know. And and you know, there's a risk of having a two parter and it, it being kind of unsatisfying in the in the sense that it doesn't, um, you know, close off everything. But that was really good uh, and. Uh, I just wanted to ask about that because you mentioned you had the uh, the artist only for two, right? Um, was he chosen specifically for that particular arc? Because it gives off a really classic vibe, um, but the whole story does in a way as well. The artist Nick Darrington and I are friends, and uh, he lives here in Portland too. Um, and so he and I would meet and talk about stuff. And there was another project we were talking about working on a Superman project that we still want to do someday. And he and I actually should text him who was over and talk to him. But so he and I uh, were just jamming on ideas. And I was like, Hey, I want to do this thing about, he loves the, so he loves the bottle city of Candor. So there yeah. was a lot of motivation of like him and I talking about stuff. And he was like, I love the bottle city of Candor. And I'm like, me too. And we started going back and forth on stuff. And I was like, well, you know, is isn't Batman who laughs. This is this big villain that's really popular. And, and so many villains were being used in so many places that I was like, looking at like a math problem in a way. <laughs> is cool? Who do I like? And I was like, you know, I've never seen, I've never seen Zod and Rachel Ghoul together. Yeah. That I can think of. So I'm like, that's cool. That's a cool team up. Ration Zod. And like this thing happens. And I think that'd be pretty cool. And I knew a lot about, you know, I follow the DC stuff very closely. So I'm like, there's ways of playing with all this. And so talking with Nick about those villains, it was just a way of doing something fun with them. That That's where they came from. And that's okay. why Nick picked. I mean, it was, it was a lot of back and forth, but it was like, I know that Nick, what Nick likes and and like I said, he likes the Ball of City of Candor a lot, and I think he yeah. likes Zod and stuff, and he likes he he knows DC history really well. Um, yeah. So it became this perfect little little two part. There was a I wish we had had more pages. There was a lot of stuff we wanted to do. We wanted to create like a Candor Man. We had this oh, whole 
doorman we were going to do. Uh, <laughs> oh, been right. That's the day, but yeah. it didn't work out because of room. It, that was the biggest problem we had was room. It was just yeah. like, so many big ideas. We're just like, man, we're running out of room. But well, yeah, uh, he has a cool style. Yeah, I, th- I think you've kind of um, you, you tempered and paced that really well. I mean, kind of, we talked about that. Uh, of course, there are these big moments that occur in each of these arcs, right? And um, uh, if we can, we can call it the candle arc, uh, the whole thing about, I love this kind of mix of the Lazarus pit and, and the bottle city, right? And yeah. that reveal yeah. at the end where you get all these little mini candor, <laughs> like just spouting out like all evil. And uh, that yeah. was a big moment for us. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we were trying to just be fun. I, and uh, sometimes I try to test the the boundaries, test the waters with uh, with DC sometimes because, yeah. you know, I want to see what they're going to tell me no. And that was a thing of like, I wonder if they're going to let me have mini killer. And <laughs> so me and Nick were talking about that a lot. And it was like, maybe they will let us do that. And they let us do it. Like, we were really surprised. They That's let us really do cool. It. Yeah. But they let us, it was fun. We wanted to have fun. I mean, that was the thing about this book was pretty much we got past the first arc because the first six issues were very, um, they're darker. It's a horror book. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. it was built to be a horror comic. And, and once we got past that, it was like, all right, let's do different genres. And then it became this fun kind of adventure thing. And then it was, you know, I, I think the Atomic Skull stuff is a little bit of horror. Um, yes. And some of the stuff with the Brainiac stuff is a little bit of horror, but it's also fun. And then the last issue with, with Grundy is a little horror too. But yeah. yeah, we were trying to mix it up a bit. And then that arc in particular, because of Nick's style and, and Nick and I talking a lot, we were just, let's have some fun, do something cool. And, and mm-hmm. that's what we with was that. Yeah. Uh, Connor, do you have any anything on there? Uh, yeah, no, not really. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was... Uh, really stood out that arc it, it really felt like a big sort of silver age throwback with like some of the covers and stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah i guess like with ray's question if like the artist's deliberate choice and stuff but uh yeah no it was good stuff so like with ultra humanite so you didn't choose him like so you chose him because there's plans for him is that there, right yeah but i have been trying to use ultra humanite for years yeah like any character, here's what I'll say, anytime I use anything, it's, I, mean, I think the Batman Who Laughs is something that definitely came out of a conversation with them of, like, we want to use Batman Who Laughs and me being like, oh, what about this? Everything else were all things that I was pushing for, you know? It's oh, like, all tonight was somebody who I'd asked about a ton of times. <laughs> with this book, I was like, I want to use Alter Humanite, I want to use Alter Humanite, and then one day it was like, oh, we have Alter Humanite plans, and I'm like, cool, that uh-huh. actually helps you know i mean it, there's always a like what are the ramifications of this where does this go and so there was a lot of talks about that and i really like Alfred man i um, i've liked him ever since uh, golden age james robinson's golden age so uh i was always trying to, and like he was also in you know jeff's jsa so i was just trying to find places for him and i've always wanted to use him and and uh yeah, they, they, I was able to make him cool for them. Like, they were like, well, what, how is he going to look? What are you going to do? And I sold him on the whole thing. And, and, uh, but I've always liked this character. So it was, it was a good thing of like me constantly pushing for things. I'm always, I'm always, yeah. it takes time. You know, it's like even with Flash, getting some of the characters I got in Flash, which is me bugging them all the time about it. 
Like I'm always having these conversations around like, what about this person? What about this person? Can I use this person? Can I do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. very, yeah. It was quite interesting. I like the uh, the aspect of um, I'm not sure, again. I don't know too much about ultra humanite, but uh, I, I get it. A big kind of gorilla body, but a, a mastermind behind it. Um, the premise of it was really cool in the fact that uh, he basically controlled these. Is that what he usually does, Connor? Does he usually control zombies and stuff? Or um... honestly, most of the ultra humanite I've read is the when he first appeared in Golden Age Superman when he was in the wheelchair. I haven't read much Gorilla. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he was in the wheelchair first, and then he... Depends. A lot of times, like, in, in some stories, he takes his brain out and he puts into other people's brains. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, a That's a big part of his thing. And then, uh, so, like, in Jeff's stuff, in Jeff's stuff, he put his brain inside uh, Johnny Thunder... And then Johnny Thunder used it to control the the lightning, um, and then he took over the world, and it was like a whole thing. And so, wow, uh, like he controlled the lightning bolt, and that made you know he was able to take over the world with it. And there's a there's a really great story that in JSA, um, but it just depends on the story. And yeah, he basically can control people through technology and stuff like that. It's not okay. it's not quite Legrade where it's like straight up mind control. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's intended. To be more of a like organic, you know, like him taking over a body using his technology, yeah. and that's where I was. Like, well, then he would use zombies then because yeah. you know he's trying to. Uh, he's always looking for a better body that he can use, and but I felt like part of that story was like, listen, this dude has moved his brain from multiple <laughs> bodies that cannot go and, on forever. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's to his detriment. Like it's kind of really uh, putting stress on it. That as you, yeah, it was saying in the um, in the arc. Yeah, just ways of, of playing with that character. But yeah, at the end of the day, he's a giant gorilla. Like that's the body that he he finds that works best is yeah. that giant gorilla body. But he's always looking for something better. But it's hard, you know. He wants to put his head in a Superman at some point. Like, I, <laughs> you, yeah, if you read, um, but there's different plays on it. Like I think in I, I'm sure I read Golden Age. It's the ultra humanity, but then it's like a question of whose mind is actually inside there, and there's like a mystery, and there's, I don't know, there's all kinds of stuff with him over the years that have been pretty cool. But he's mostly, it's interesting, like he became a JSA villain, but he was a Superman villain. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought yeah. that was a nice throwback, yeah. kind of bringing the ultra humanite back in a sort of uh, Superman book. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that seeing well, him again. Uh, yeah, we get we get riffs of um, of Superman villains as well, so it's good to see. I guess yeah, this classic Superman villain in the Atomic Skull kind of arc, and then like yeah. the different version of Brainiac in, in the next one. Um, but uh, yeah, no, just, just quickly, just going back to the Atomic Skull one. The uh, sorry, the Ultra Humanite um, using people as bombs as well. I thought that was yeah really cool. Um, but the big moment for me when I read this was, of course, uh, that kind of splash page of Superman just uh, heat visioning. Batman's chest, you know, and and that was yeah. a great, that was such a great kind of reveal, um, and again tying it into Wayne Tech as well. I mean, they're at that, um, they're at the plant, right? The old yeah, the Wayne the Tech plant. plant. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was mentioning to Connors, like, you know, Batman's responsible for a lot of these, like, these um, evil doings happening around. You know, <laughs> he he captured the Batman who laughs. He didn't tell the JLA about it. You know, that's caused a big riff. Um, over here as well, part of his technology is what Ultra Humanite is using. Um, so, he, he, you know, he's inadvertently 
um, you know, causing all this trouble. And, and again, the, the algorithms um, in that Brainiac arc. Yeah. Um, yeah. The yeah. uh, composite Batman, Superman. Like, that mm, yeah. was the whole idea of him. Yeah. I think that Batman, it's a trope, I mean, to be honest. Like, it's a trope that Batman causes his own problems. And mm. I think you can play around with that. And that was what I was trying to do uh, with that. With that, but I don't want to always always no. be that. But there's a scene in Infinite Frontier uh, in the miniseries where um, Chase, uh, Cameron Chase, uh, she's a detective for the DEO, she's an agent for the DEO, um, and also a '90s character. But she's she's really cool. She was in Superman a bit in Bendis' Superman run. Yeah. Uh, but she is interviewing. She basically just shows up at the Hall of Justice and is like, I want to talk to the Justice League. And there's a part, basically at the very beginning, she shows up and she's like, I want to, she's like, I want to talk to the Justice League. And the receptionist, the Hall of Justice is like, do you have an appointment? And she's like, oh yeah, I do. It's under help, help, save me, help. And then Superman shows up. <laughs> and, uh, and and Superman takes pictures with like the kids in the lobby and stuff. And, and she's like, asking all these questions and he's like oh you know i i knew you were here in the moment you walked in like we were alerted yeah as they're walking to the hall of justice she's straight out like is it true that you guys built a prison under here you were keeping the batman laughs and he's <laughs> moving like there's all kinds of like and, and, and that issue she actually calls him out on a lot of stuff like hmm. chase calls out batman and superman and it's like you guys hid a lot of stuff from us yeah you guys literally kept a villain from the from the multiverse yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> what were you thinking? It's funny because reading those, like, I was always on Batman and Superman side. Like, I was always of the mind that they shouldn't oh, tell anyone else, just given how the Batman who laughs corrupts. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone. Um, so it was it was an interesting sort of moral uh, yeah, discussion. I mean, it's such a dangerous thing to keep this stuff, and you get to a point where. And this is part of what Infinite Frontier is about, in a way, because there's 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 Chase, and she's working for a guy named Bones, Director Bones, and who was an old JSA uh, Infinity Inc. Uh, villain named Mister oh. Bone. Now he's Director Bones. He's been around for a while, um, but he is a character who he's questioning this stuff. Like he's really questioning, you know, the Justice League. There's there's a moment issue too where Chase is talking about it, and she's like. You know, people on the street, they look up sometimes, and some days the sky is red, and sometimes the sky is black, and hearing the Justice League took care of it isn't going to fly anymore. Mm. Like, people want to know what really happened, and they they, they have questions, you know, and, and you guys have to be able to answer. And Batman is like, are we under investigation? And she's like, I'm just asking questions, mm. you know? Like, there's a part where she's like, she says, she says to Batman, she's like, so let me get this straight. There was a version of you from another world that came here and tried to take over Gotham City. And then another version of you came here and tried to take over the world. And then she looks at Superman and she's like, when does the evil version of you show up? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, which we as readers are like, oh man, we know where those characters are. Mm. But like... You know, yeah, like there's a, it's a, it's a lot of stuff like that that does play back into this stuff. Yeah. Hey, this is Tyler from Krypton Report. If you like Superman, Supergirl, anything related to the Kryptonians, check us out. We are a podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. 
Just look for Krypton Report Pod. Hey listeners, why not check out these other great Superman-related podcasts and accounts? The Best Superman Fan Twitter account at Talking Superman covers all topics. Hosted by Adam and updated daily, it's a great source of discussion. The Aspiring Kryptonian, headed by Tasman, Ashley and Evan, is a newer podcast but has all the expertise and fandom you'd want in a Superman podcast. Last but not least, the Krypton Report cover both Supergirl and Superman on screen as well as in the comics. James and Tyler are top blokes and well worth a listen. You can find details to all of these fine groups and podcasts in our show notes. I want to actually um, just take um, a step back as well, Josh, and mm-hmm. just talk about the art for all of these arcs because actually all of them are fantastic. Look, heading towards that, the Brainiac arc, um, I, I love, was it Max Rayner? Um, Max Rayner, yeah, thanks. he's great. I've... Oh my God. So, how did, how did you, how did this come about with collaboration with different, you mentioned about um, the, uh, the candle one uh, with your mate Nick. Uh, how did yeah. uh, the sub, the Clayton Henry, um, uh, Max Rayner, how did they come about? So Clayton and I have uh, known each other for a bit. Um, oh. I've always been a fan of his. He did a Wu Tang comic like 20 years ago. Oh. And, Ever since then, I've always liked his work. He did, uh, and and so I've always kind of followed him. And he did some stuff at Marvel. He worked on some excellent stuff with Brubaker. Yeah, he's on Valiant comics. I loved his stuff in Valiant. Yeah. Oh yeah, Yeah. that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Valiant. So I've always followed him. And so he and I emailed each other and and talked with each other a little bit. And it was very much a like this guy is good. And Mm -hmm. and so came up. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And, and so he and I emailed and talked and, and uh, it was an editorial thing. They really like his work and they okay. were like, they brought, they brought him up first and I was like, yeah, I love his stuff. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. So we did the, um, we had that arc. I actually wanted him to stay longer and then he wasn't able to, but that's why he worked on the annual, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I think the annual is probably my favorite issue of the, of the run. <laughs> Um, it is pretty. But, it's pretty um, sneaky. I've got to say that. Yeah, it's a fun one. I had yeah, that was is. probably the most fun I had on the book, and so we were. He was able to do that, and then you know we just. I've always liked him a lot, and then uh, with Max, I think Max was somebody I saw on something they did, and I brought him up. And part of it was we were gearing up while this was happening. You know, we were having a lot of conversations uh, about 2021, and we in the middle of, you know, pandemic seven, 2020, 2020, we were also getting ready to do future state. And it was like, mm. so some people were getting pulled to future state. Some people were getting pulled to books for 2021, right? Like everyone was getting pulled ahead because we we're having this conversation about who, who was available, which artists it'd be like that we could use. And it was like, Max was one of them. And I'm like, I like his stuff. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So that's where Max came from. And then on the annual, it was Gleb, Gleb, we, I've been pushing on them a little bit. Um, and Gleb, you know, eventually became the artist on Robin. So mm-hmm. we were talking about that. And then um, I've always liked Yellow Eaglesham stuff for years. Like he did stuff, you know, back in the 2000s that I really like, like Secret Six. And mm-hmm. he worked with Jeff Bunch and Zam. So I've always wanted to work with him. And he, he nailed it. Like he really did a good job. Uh, and then Clayton, and then Gleb, and it just sort of worked out. And then the last issue, so yes. what happened was uh, I actually wrote a version of issue one that ended up not working. 
Um, it was a version of issue one that was very different, and there were certain elements of it. It was much more of like a smaller, quieter story for issue one, and they were like, no, we hit harder right at the gate. So I ended up rewriting it completely, but there were elements of issue one that I always wanted to use. And as we were getting closer and closer to the ending, I said, you know, I want to do... Once we knew I was going to go all the way to December and I was going to do one last issue it was kind of an epilogue stamp of what I was trying to say about this relationship and the, these two characters, I was like, well, you know, I'm looking at everything and I, and I was like, well, there's an artist I work with on a book of image uh, called Birthright and he worked at DC, you know, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, they always liked him. And, and so I was like, listen, we have a gap in our schedule can do one issue yeah uh, would you guys be interested and they were like yes go for it so uh that was where andre came from you know i really like his stuff a lot and we were like this guy's really good so let's 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 put him in here and i knew him really well we know each other we're, we're really tight with each other so it was like let's make a little thing here and yeah, he's got a very um I lo- he's got a very for me it comes from a very indie vibe um and and uh... Yeah, I, I just loved it. It's so distinct. Like, actually, each, mm. each of the arcs are quite distinct. But by by capping mm. off with that last one, because I, I only read that last fifteen, uh, sorry, issue fifteen, uh, more recently. Um, and yeah, it's it just a, it was a nice change. Um, but it being a one shot as well, and it, it kind of closing out um, the series with that kind of reaffirmation of Batman and Superman's, I guess, relationship um, and and their friendship. Uh, yeah, it was really. Good. It had one of your your favorite characters, Connor, didn't it? Swamp Thing. Oh yeah, I love I love Swamp Thing. Yeah, and I, I really yeah yeah that was Andre. I was also giving you something for Andre to draw because I know I mean I like Solomon Grundy a lot, and I I like all those villains. I like I like to be like yeah C and D league villains, and then I was like, well, I got a Swamp Thing in there too, and and I wrote this. I wrote an issue I was really happy with. I'm really proud of that last issue, and yeah. I almost was annual came out last too because i feel like the annual is a little bit on the wacky side oh, uh, a little bit but, just, you yeah. know I, I felt like in terms of like here's what i want to do last i was really happy that was the last issue i mean it was a part of me that wanted to stay on the book but mm-hmm. i was looking at my schedule and i felt as though i had done what i wanted to do okay and, i was about to yeah. ask sorry josh if you had some more stories like you know is there anything you missed out on? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do, I kind of wanted to move, I wanted to move on, I wanted a fresh start because I would wrap up Flash, and there was a moment there, there was a moment um, this time last year where I was looking at what I was doing, and I was looking at my big, my, my plans, my personal plans. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that was like, man, maybe I just leave DC after Flash is over, because mm-hmm. it's like, I wanted a little bit of a break and I wasn't really sure why I wanted to do next. And I was looking at the whole like list of stuff and I kind of was like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I didn't want to just jump into something just because. And so that was part of my like, well, if, if I'm leaving flash, I should leave Batman and Superman at the same time and then go move on post future state to something else. And we started having these conversations about, you know, was I going to leave after December? Like would I leave mm-hmm. after and Batman and Superman or would I stay? And, and, um, so it was like, Oh, you know, do I go on and do other books? And so I, we started having a lot of conversations about that. And so when it came to Batman and Superman, I felt like I was done in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of 
mentally had prepared myself to be done with it. And then now it's like the stuff I'm working on now is so much like really big event stuff. And some of it will have Batman and Superman in it. Yeah. Like some of the plans I have with Infinite Frontier and the plans I have for next year. And then you obviously see, you know, I'm doing Robin. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I started building out these ideas. And so I'm not done writing those characters. I don't know if I'll be writing them in a Batman Superman book. Yeah, but yeah. I also really like what Gene is doing with the book, too. It's like the stuff he has planned. I'm actually talking to Gene next week about it. It's oh. like there's there's a lot of cool stuff coming with him in that book. So, Well, yeah, we got a, a bit of an insight in the uh, in the future state. Um yeah, you know, issues of, of Batman, yeah. Superman, which which Connor and I covered as well. Um, mm-hmm. We yeah, we thought they were great uh, as well. It still kind of had that dark element. Yeah, yeah. Gene is a really good writer, and I think my all, the future state was interesting because I think there was a drive at one point to make future state a little darker, and then it kind of changed out of the to make less dark. I mean, that's why like my Justice League books were not really dark. I don't think. No. I don't feel like I did for a future state. But, you know, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I, I like what Gene is doing. That first issue that already came out is really good. And I know what he has planned for the next, like, year, I think, on the book. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about how it connects to some of the bigger plans. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like I was done by the time I got to that issue, issue 15. I felt like I was like, all right, cool, I've done, I've done this. Am I done necessarily writing all those characters together? I don't know. Like, I have other ideas and thoughts and stuff, but at this point, I'm so focused on some of the really big picture DC stuff. Oh, yeah. That it's sure. not about them, it's about, like, the Justice League and then, you know, the Titans and DCU in general. Like, it's, I'm, I'm thinking about all these big, really big picture stuff with really big casts that kind of involve all of the DCU at this point. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of the annual, um, you know, I guess I'm I'm someone who's you know I'm I'm not an injustice fan. <laughs> it's like the, the oh. whole the whole trope of like uh you know, Batman and Superman essentially being enemies, really. Uh just mm-hmm. you know, I, this issue just felt like a love letter to people like me who just miss them being friends. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh so yeah, I was a huge fan of it. It was really nice. Thanks. Uh yeah. The uh that um that annual was really funny because it was like every step of the way i was worried it was going to be a fight with them it was like <laughs> you know mix mixy click mixy click and batmite are hard right and, and making them interesting can be challenging i like them they're fun um yeah just showing them as friends but also playing with those tropes of, oh yeah and it's like the ridiculousness of them fighting, right? Yeah. So it's like being able to play around with those ideas. So part of the thing about that book that was really funny was um, the editor and I. The editor is a huge Superman fan. Loves, loves Superman. And he loves Mixie. And he, he really likes a lot of the Superman stuff. Like he likes Jimmy and Perry and Lois. And he's much more like he loves a lot of the more grounded Superman stories. And... I'm I'm a Superman guy, I love Superman, but I'm, I'm very much a Batman guy too. And we, <laughs> what ended up happening was, is that he and I would get in these arguments about that annual. Like about once a week, we had an argument about that annual. <laughs> wow, they're friends. Like wow. We're friends. friends. Yeah. They're not. Negative. It was just like these conversations about that annual. 
And I told him one day, I sent it in and I told him, I'm like, you understand, right, that like you and I are Mixie and Batman, right? Like, <laughs> our arguments are becoming this book because he would be like, well, Batman would never do that. And I'm like, that's the whole point. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, Superman would never. And I'm like, dude, that's that that's the whole thing. It's not them. It's Batman and Mixie making them do it. Yeah. Like, that's the argument. And he it was, it, dude, it was a blast. So a lot of the stuff that's in that book became because of that those conversations. Ah, where... right. I mean, and, and more, most often than not, that kind of conversation amongst fans, I, I loved it. The um, That one bit where Superman beats Batman just with the the big punch and that was it like yeah, yeah, that's yeah, done yeah. i mean everyone I mean, kind of thinks that <laughs> yeah so that was really what it came down to is like yeah. we're fans of these characters and and so let's make us batmite and mixie like they're the fans too yeah you know yeah. it's like yeah. it, it's having this friendly debate conversation that is almost counterintuitive to the characters and so oh, yeah you know so it's it's really just this kind of fun uh, play on those conversations, and it was literally him and I our conversations in some places. I would, I would, he would say something to me, and I would write it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hang on, so let me just scribble it down. Yeah, yeah. It's the the one part that like I just I laughed so hard is when is uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Mixie when Batman and Superman are toys and. Mixie just rips off Toy Batman's arm and yeah. he's like screaming horrifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also, yeah, that, that was me just having fun with the body horror of it, of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, because there's so much, I mean, we have these conversations sometimes behind the scenes of, of, of calling the characters toys, right? Like, we, yeah. we get to play with the toy and all the pieces and all that. And, you know, you break them sometimes, you know, and you have to put them back together. You can't. It's it's tough. You don't necessarily want to break them, and then not you don't want to break them so much that somebody else can't play with them. Yeah. And so that's that was part of the motivation of why they're toys in the ending. Oh man, it was a whole yeah. thing. Dude. It was so funny. Like <laughs> them being the toys. It was also I'm, I'm a big fan of Twilight Zone and stuff like that. And this idea that when you see the toys at the beginning and you don't realize it's really them. You know, it's like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious because it was Batman and Mixie that it was really them, but just playing with the toys and stuff, I don't know, it was, <laughs> it, was it was interesting. I mean, that was the note I got from editorial. And because at the beginning, I was going to Batman and Mixie play with them, and they were like, no, no, just have the kids come in, and they're the, yeah. the kids are like, innocent, and I just want to play with them as toys, and Batman and Mixie are making it all weird because they're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, how they are. And, and I was like, that's a good idea. And so, yeah, yeah that, they, it was just it was just fun, man, just trying yeah. to have some character and just trying to play around with uh with the you know almost tropes the conversation yeah. and it's like we're, we're talking about like I, I worked at a comic store yeah all through high school and then through college at a different store and yeah, yeah like that those conversations have in the comic store you know just just, just yeah, playing sure. it yeah I, I think you nailed it on the head with that annual i mean um as you mentioned just just having those conversations but also again like this is yet another example of how i think that the art just really fit well with with the tone of the of the story it's such tongue-in-cheek um you know everyone who who reads it must be kind of like smirking at themselves because they recognize a bit of themselves in it you know to some degree because um, yeah. we do love to to have those conversations um but yeah no no it was a very that was a very strong annual um annuals yeah. can be weird because sometimes annuals can just seem like I, I don't know I don't know whether companies decide to experiment or or um just because there's a lot more liberty with it 
uh, that uh, or not not much stake to it that I don't know, it kind of be passed off. But this was actually yeah a, a very strong, entertaining annual. I thought. Thanks. Yeah, we were trying to. Uh, annuals are weird. Mm. I was thinking about earlier because it's like <sighs> annuals. Sometimes they can be a fun little filler thing, right? Mm. But and then sometimes they can be something really important. But the problem is, if they're really important, let's say you're a regular reader and you're reading your book monthly, you might miss an annual. You know, mm-hmm. so you have to balance out how you do it and. And like what I did when I was doing the flash annuals, the first two flash annuals we did, both of them were important to the book. The third one we didn't. The third one was just a crossover with Suicide Squad, and it was for fun. I don't remember why we did that. Though. Oh, now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> I think I think it was because of um, I don't remember. There, there was some weird reason that, that I did that. I'm like blanking on it now. But the first two, one was a tee up. Um, one was a tee-up Flash War, and the second one was a Connected Heroes in Crisis, but also tee-ups in the stuff I was doing in the book. So I, I feel like there's a way of balancing them where you almost... What, what I learned is... And this was different with the Batman Superman 1, because the Batman Superman 1, uh, it didn't work this way because we knew we were leaving the book, right? We knew we were wrapping it up, my, my part of it. But... Um, you know, and there was a part of the conversation was like, when I'm leaving, do we end the book? But the sales were so strong. It was like, no, let's just keep it going, right? And and then once Paul uh, Kaminsky started talking to Gene, it was like, no, let's definitely keep it going. Um, but I, the lesson I learned was like, the best way to do those annuals is to do it where it does stand alone. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you can do a self-contained story, but it is relevant. And it does push forward the narrative in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that's the way to do them. And I, I think okay. like my with the Robin one will be like that. It's like a way of kind of telling a standalone story with these characters, but also, yeah, like let's push the narrative forward in some fun way. Yeah. Like that, is, that is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was great. I feel like anyone who gets way too into uh, the, their superheroes fighting should just take a moment and read that annual. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I was just trying to have fun for that one. Yeah. I think, Especially when I knew I was leaving the book, I was like, I want to have two issues that were just me doing. Like, they're all fun, but it was like, yeah. I wanted oh, yeah. to, be to say what I wanted to say. I wanted to have the uh, snowball hitting Batman, you know, hitting Batman. Oh, yes. Uh, yep, yep. I, I really wanted that. That was something that was originally an issue one. The uh, issue one I was saying before that we, we got rid of. Um, that I wanted, and so I wanted to tell tell that story, and then I wanted mm. one annual with that was. I also really like uh, weird narrative structure in stories sometimes, where you feel like, like how that annual is, where it's like it jumps mm. around a bit. You yeah. Know? Yes. Um, and there's a kind of uh, like I love unreliable narrators and things like that, you know. So it's like being able to do kind of a mix of that with Mixie and Batmite was something I had wanted to do, and so we were able to. You know, throw it all in there and have fun. Yeah, and you're yeah. An, an animal lover as well. Obviously, got the two dogs in there, which was uh, oh, really cool to see. <laughs> that was uh, it was so funny yeah, having them chew on them at the ending. I, I remember yeah. Edgewell was a little like, "What are they doing?" Why are they? <laughs> and I'm like, "They're just dogs, man." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and leave dogs it, leave it on that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just trying to have some fun with it. Yeah, I'm curious with uh. Crypto and Ace have ended up. If you kept doing the run hypothetically, would the the Super Dogs have ended up in there, 
or oh in the book yeah i i i had so you know you know the arc with with steel and batwoman yeah uh, i wanted to do more stuff like that that was so uh originally like i said before my original pitch was much more of a superman family and batman family book yeah right? like together i wanted to do more of that the problem was I also, and I, I was like this on Flash too. Like I wanted to be respectful of other people's stories, but I, I also wanted to make sure I was reflective of what was going on. And a book like Batman and Superman is hard like that because there's always so much going on in Batman, so much going on in Superman. And so doing stuff like you know, because you had, you know, John got aged up, and then you had all this stuff with um, just uh, Batwoman and. You know, there was so much going on in the Superman book, so much going on in the Batman book with Damien and, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. time. You know, Nightwing wasn't Nightwing. He was still Rick. So it's like, it was just hard to get what I wanted in some places. So I think eventually I would have done more team-up stuff that was not just Batman and Superman. Uh, yeah. Eventually we had talked about it, but then it was like, it just didn't work out, you know. Yeah. It was hard because there was so much of that already happening. It was hard to kind yeah. of stuff, you know. It's like... Yeah, it sounds like you got heaps to juggle, so... Well, and then, you know, the, the like I said to you guys before, it was like we definitely had things that kind of uh, – plans changed, you know, and, like, plans changed. It was an uncertainty of of when the book was going to end and, you know, what I was going to do and all this. So, like, because plans were kind of fluid, because plans were, plans were so fluid, it was hard mm-hmm. to do stuff of, like – you know, getting some of those other characters in there, like getting the Supergirl and getting Damien or Nightwing. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I was glad to see Steel and Batwoman. I, I think that was, that was a really fun thing. Um, again, being kind of, you know, relatively new to DC, mm-hmm. uh, reading just to have them as a team. I don't know. Are they? Do they usually team up? Is that a thing? No. They, no. 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 no but they, yeah, that was, a, that was the first time I'd seen them together. Yeah. But it was, yeah. It was they, really were both, fun. they were both in 52 together, but... Um, they weren't together in that. They weren't like partners or anything like that. You know, yeah. she was introduced in it and then he was a partner leading into the new infinity Inc back then with his daughter or not daughter. I'm sorry. His, his niece, Natasha, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but being able to play with some of that stuff and just, I, I've always liked steel as a character, like ever since reign of Superman. Mm. Um, yeah. I like his aesthetic. Uh, I mean, like, and then I've, yeah, I've heard about his stuff like in Superman. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with Dan Jurgens about reign of Superman stuff and, I always and Dan didn't Dan didn't work. I mean, Dan obviously worked on Death of Superman and ran a Superman. The book that he did in particular was a Cyborg Superman stuff, but mm-hmm. um, you know, was he was still doing Superman? Uh, Steel was part of that, and I, you know, I always just liked that character, and I wanted to do more with him. So I mean, that's the thing. I think I would have done more team up with the two sides of the family if I had kept going. But again, it was like things were so fluid. Yes. Uh, you know, plans plans changed um, in the middle of last year, and so trying to move things around and figure out what we were doing, and it just kind of I don't know, but it was fun. I got to use characters I liked, and it was yeah. the villain. Still works well. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just having fun with the like yeah. able to grab characters like Atomic Skull and, and all yeah. the <laughs> and a little shout yeah. out, a little shout out as well. Of course, um, I lo- the that bit where. That woman goes. You, you guys just play with your video games. I'll just I'll hold it for it then. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that thing where she's she's on a pile of uh, you know pile of uh, robots. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a fun arc too. Sorry, the, the, the scene of like the robot Riddler and everything. Yeah. It was just... mm. 
it was just it was just good to I think to break I guess break up the run at that at that point and just have these two not not that you know there's anything wrong with Batman and Superman but like with with Batman and and Superman largely being kind of out of the picture and and them kind of trying to track them down uh, it was just yeah it was yeah, a nice different dynamic up a little bit you know I mean we yeah. were doing um but yeah that arc that arc it's funny originally that arc was going to be it was going to be Steel Batwoman. Jason Todd, uh, Keenan, uh, the, the the Superman, the new Superman of uh, China. Oh, cool. And who am I forgetting? I think it was going to be Damien and Supergirl. But we started having this whole conversation about, you know, where everybody was. Is that going to work? Was that messing with the stuff? And then it was like, well, who's nobody messing with? Okay, no one's messing with Batwoman Steel. Yeah. Great. Those characters. Let's go. Like, yeah. I was able to see that I wanted in the beginning so it was like because it was going to be both groups and then it was there was a lot of conversations about continuity and I, I yeah. it's just like, and then it was only going to be three issues so was, I don't want to bog it down too much yeah. of yeah yeah ah cool no that was yeah I just want to make sure these pieces all come together and actually work mm. yeah well that yeah it, it Todd that, that last well, I guess yeah, the last big arc did tie everything together from the first arc with um, Batman and Superman sort of program to monitor. Yes, yes, it did. Know, all the yeah. supervillains. Yeah, it ties um, back. So I did have a question. Uh, I guess just about Infinite Frontier. Sure. Um, this is more of a personal question because I. I was up to date with Batman Who Laughs until Death Metal. I haven't read Death Metal, uh, so. You know, what would you recommend reading before Infinite Frontier? Is there anything that people really should read? Yeah, good or... question. I feel like if you read the Infinite Frontier Zero, the one shot we put out back in March, that's all you kind of need. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, it, it's it's very much a book that I think you could read by by itself. But if you've been reading, if you did read Death Metal, if you read DC the last few years, you're going to get more out of it. But I do think if you just straight out read. Um, if you just straight out read just Infinite Frontier Zero, you'll find out most of what you need. And there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, there, there's stuff we haven't revealed yet that's going on in the book, but the, the, the hard thing you're always walking in this balance is making it accessible to somebody brand new, but then also you mm-hmm. want to play with people who've read the books for years. You know? Yeah, so, you want to make it something worthwhile for them. Yeah, for sure. I know that's what, what it is. you know. So I feel like you could probably just read Infinite Frontier Zero and be okay. But if you read Death Metal, if you've been reading a lot of stuff that's going on in DC for the last two years, there's a lot there for you. I would say if you've been reading DC since Rebirth, there's a lot there for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I read Infinite Frontier Zero <laughs> and uh, Wonder Woman's being off a part of the quintessence and I'm like, I feel like I've missed something here. But uh, it, it's good that's well, uh, death metal yeah if, if the whole thing about death metal like at the ending what happens leads directly in infinite frontier zero so that's that's part of what you were missing was that yeah 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 it, it was good though um yeah so so back to batman superman uh so with the whole run uh i guess you know it was a real big showcase of their friendship which mm-hmm. i really liked um like so what's what's your sort of background with these two characters I guess. I mean, I've been reading since I was like a little kid. Like I never, so both my parents, both of my parents read comic books when they were kids. Oh, so yeah, cool. I never, I've never lived in a house that didn't have a shirt box in it. Basically. Like <laughs> when I was, kid, I, my parents had a shirt box and I remember I would flip through it and 
there's a couple comics I still have. Like, there's a, a, a very famous a book called The Great Album Book Heroes that Jules Pfeiffer did. Oh. And it's interesting because it has origins. It's all it's a Golden Age book. So it's this hardcover that came out in the 50s um, that has Batman and Superman's origins in it. It also has, like, Alan Scott and Jay Garrick, but then it has, like, the spirit in it. It has all of these. Yeah. It's, like, the only time you'll ever find a hardcover that has all of these characters in it. You know, it's like it's literally reprints of their first appearances, mm-hmm. um, but it's got Marvel and DC and then independent stuff and then stuff like yeah, like the Spirit and as Captain America and like Namor and things like that, and it's all their first appearances just in this one cover. And I had that as a kid, and I uh, liked it a lot. And then I started reading um, Batman. I think one of the earliest Batman things I got was Post Crisis. It was like the Untold Tales of Batman. It was this John Byrne book that he did. Um, there was kind of an origin on Batman, but not really. It's very, it's very pre-crisis though. It's like it's, it's very much. It's a, it's a weird book now to look at, but it's great. A lot of I think some of the stuff that Grant Morrison worked on was inspired by it. Um, yeah. But uh, with Superman, I started reading Superman. I think really into the lead up. I mean, I, I knew Superman was from the movie, and I remember mm-hmm. watching. You know, I, the cartoon hadn't come on yet. Uh, I'm trying to think of the first. I think Superman was probably just from Super Friends, um, the comics, yeah, yeah. the Jack Kirby one. And then I started uh, reading pretty much the lead into Death of Superman is when I really started reading it. Just that build up to it. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. everybody reading it. Oh, but I remember, yeah, when, when when Death of Superman hit, I remember getting it as a gift. Um, from my dad because I couldn't get it. It was sold out yeah. when I went to go get it. It was gone. My dad got in a copy and was able to, he gave me it, you know, so I ripped up my black poly bag, <laughs> took stuff out, you know? Uh, and then a few months later waiting in the rain outside of my comic book store to get return of Superman and get all those covers. Cause they all came out on the same day, all four ah, books. Yeah. 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 Plus the issue 500 with the white poly bag, it all came out on the same day. And <laughs> so uh, I went and bought them all. And and uh, I think after that, I've basically read Superman ever since, which is weird. Nice. Like I, I didn't read a bit of New Fifty Two. I haven't read all of New Fifty Two Superman, but I think I was basically reading Superman, you know, pretty much from Death of Superman all the way to all the way to New Fifty Two. Okay. And then I did it for a little bit, and then I read, um, and then I read from Rebirth on. I've I've still been reading it since. So. I, I've always been reading these books, these characters, and I, I like them together. I was like team ups. I remember because remember it was weird, man. In the nineties, they didn't team up all the time mm. because I post crisis they really wanted them to have. It, they wanted to make it special whenever they were around each other. So mm. for a while there, whenever they would appear in each other's books, man, it was, it was so special. It was gold. It was always so exciting. Build <laughs> uh, up the Superman, Batman. It was just so much fun, and uh, yeah, I've been. Every time they're with each other, it's so cool. I'm always yeah. excited about it. Uh, I think they have an interesting relationship, and they represent so many different sides of DC. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just interesting to kind of work on those characters. But yeah, yeah I, I, I love them. I don't do, know. <laughs> do you think we'll? Uh, do you think we'll get a, a hardcover collection of your, your Ron Josh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, because they put a hardcover out of the first six, and then they put a hardcover out of seven through. 15, they call it a pretty big one. I think it'll take some time. They usually, I mean, it takes a long time for the deal's omnibuses. It takes a few uh, years. Okay. So I think we can maybe get one a few years from now, yeah. I mean, okay. you get 
cool. It takes time. Like these little omnibuses of these things, so yeah. I, I think eventually we'll get it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Oh, that's something worthwhile on they, the shelf. They collect everything. Yes. So, oh, okay. They just take time. Yeah. Well, I mean, for any listeners who, I mean, again, you know, we've got we've got Josh Williamson on on the show here, um, and what you've just heard, I mean, uh, it, it's definitely worth going through uh, issues one to fifteen and and the annual as well. That is a must to be in that collection. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, no, very cool. Uh, Connor, I guess we should wrap this up soon. But um, yeah, any other final questions for Josh? Um. Let's see. Uh, personal question. Um, so, no, no, just, just what did you have for breakfast, Josh? No, sorry, you mentioned you didn't read uh, much of New Fifty Two. I'm just curious. Did you read uh, Grant Morrison's Action Comics? Yeah, I did. I, I read it later, though. I read it. I read it when it came out, and then I read it later. Um, I actually reread some of it recently, partially because of President Superman uh, appearing in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I've I've read it all at this point. I, I need to get that. I think I got it. They released a hardcover of it recently. Um, yeah, yeah. So I have that. Uh, so yeah, I, I read it later. I didn't read it when it was coming out, or I read the first issue when it came out, but I hadn't read it since until a few years later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That that hardcover was really recent, actually. I think. Yeah, yeah. They send me all that stuff in the mail. Like I get a box. Oh wow. <laughs> so cool, all the hardcovers. It's the, the only thing is I don't get like the giant omnibuses. Mm-hmm. They don't send me those. Oh. Uh, the ones that are like 150 bucks, I don't get those. <laughs> so like the Who's Who that just came out, I got to buy that one. And I bought the one that was like the five-year Legion of Superheroes one. Um, but it's worth it because I get all the other ones for free. So it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll buy them. That's awesome. You know, that cool. If I really want one of the big ones, I'll, I'll, I'll fork over the money for it. Yeah. 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 I guess, yeah. Uh, what about you, Ray? Do you have any... Final question. Uh, just, just the one question for you, Josh. Um, thoughts on thoughts on Mongol? Go. <laughs> I, I like Mongol. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my, one of my favorites. One of Connor's favorites as well. Oh yeah, yeah he's great. Harshly yeah. underused. Yeah. I um, wanted him to use him, um, but then I, I didn't know because Bendis was planning on using him, uh, so I wanted to use him at one point. Yeah, I just want his head in a bubble again. You know, just floating around <laughs> Superman, just taunting, um, just taunting him. <laughs> Yeah, I always I, I like that character, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Someday, someday. <laughs> well, it's good that he's making a big comeback. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah, which is, which yeah. You guys mentioned Benderson. Yeah. Uh, the book right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they well, got, um, plans. They got so... cool plans for him. So you'll, you'll be happy. Ooh. Oh, 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 that's very good. <laughs> uh, but actually, that kind of kind of segues into, uh, I guess. Thank you, Josh, so much for, yeah, for no taking problem. your time out. It's, it's been absolutely awesome to, to just get to chat comics with you and, and to actually hear a little bit behind the scenes as well. Mm. Uh, it's always interesting. And how these kind of stories um, came together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you've mentioned it. I know you've mentioned it throughout the show as well, but uh, just uh, current projects at the moment. Um, yeah, if you can tell the listeners uh, what, you, what you're currently working on. I am working on Robin. I am doing. Uh, oh man, I gotta be careful. Okay, yeah, so I'm, yeah. doing, <laughs> and I'm doing Robin. I'm doing a, a Future State Gotham book. Mm-hmm. I'm doing uh, Infinite Frontier, and then I have three other books that'll come out this year. And then I have. Uh, is that right? Did I not announce it? Yeah. 
And then I have a bunch of other stuff for DC that's coming out in the next year. Cool. I think way too many books for them, but you, you've got most of it. Yeah. But Robin <laughs> and here are the, the two that I'm pushing probably the hardest right now. Awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely picking up Infinite Frontier. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's a multiverse mystery. So I'm, I'm excited to see what people think of it. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very happy to see a certain uh, gray skinned person pop up at the end. So, <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big, big, big player. A lot coming on, like a lot going on with that guy. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot, lot, lot of stuff coming with him. It's gonna be really cool. Well, I, I don't know how I didn't see it coming when they said it was Earth Omega. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and he I was concerned because at the end of Death Metal, uh, there's a part where they're talking about him missing. They're like, everyone's right. accounting for him. And uh, I was like, oh, that's too much of a giveaway. But uh, I guess it, it wasn't too bad. But yeah, yeah it we went, went over my head, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's cool. We got a lot of, he's, there, there's some really cool stuff. I'm, I'm really enjoying writing him. Cool. Awesome. Well, a, a big thanks once again, Josh. Um, it's uh, you're welcome back on the show anytime. <laughs> We'd love to have you on, but um, yeah, to hear about all all the other um, stories and titles that you're going to be working on. But um, a huge thank you again. It's it's been very yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, thanks uh, very much. Yeah, thanks. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.